Hi folks, welcome to CLD Talks. I'm your host Connor Maxwell. Today we've got the pleasure to speak to Dr. Marion Allison, who takes us through her 30 years in CLD so far. Marion had various sessional posts, then became an area manager. She done some lecturing in UWS and is now the director of the CLD Standards Council. Hope you guys enjoy as much as I did. Without further ado, Dr. Marion Allison. So Marion, it'd be great if you could just tell us a wee bit about yourself and your career in CLD so far. Good morning, Connor. Um, thanks very much for the invite. I have to say I was absolutely delighted um, to be invited to speak with you. Really honoured and humbled, I suppose, um, to think that my career has been really that interesting, you know. <laughs> um, but hopefully um, it will be of use and of interest to other people too, because I honestly believe we've got the best job in the world. Um, every day I wake up and for the last 30 years being involved in CLD, I've woke up and been glad to go to work. You know, even through challenging times, you always know that you're doing the right job. So essentially I get involved in CLD purely because um, I had done Camp America. I had left school and I was that student. I had left school with the hires and I was doing a business studies degree. And um, I had been a young person myself, obviously, and went to the youth club where I played netball with the youth club. And I was a fan of the youth club disco, I have to say. Um, nice. Not necessarily just my youth club, but every youth club in Rutherglen. Um, I liked the disco, which was great. <laughs> um, and I think when after doing Camp America, and really having that um, expose to a different culture and a different way of life, um, I was really like, actually, I want to do something here. And one Monday night, so I didn't get into CLD in the way often people do, and they went to the youth club and they had a youth worker that guided them. You know, so I went to the youth club and I kind of left and did live my life in a, 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 another direction, and then. I was like, actually, I need a part-time job. Um, while I was studying, I was already working in the butchers on a Saturday, the most glamorous Saturday job, not, but it was really well paid. Um, uh, and I went into the job centre, believe it or not, and there was an advert for a sessional youth work post um, for community education. And I was like, I don't even know what that is, but I'd just seen that it was working with young people. And I went along to the interview and it was Barbara McCauley, one of the community education workers in East End of Glasgow, because this was 1991, it was Strathclyde Regional Council, and I was just blown away. So my first appointment was a girls group um, in St Mungo's Youth Wing in East End of Glasgow every Monday night. So there was something about working with girls and young women that I think I've kind of carried on through my career. Um, and now I'm delighted to say that I'm part of the gender equal uh, group that Scottish Government are looking at, you know, alongside um, Louise McDonald, everybody who's, you know, really dealing with the gender issues. And I'm yeah, delighted um, to, you know, that that of pathway has been there. Um, what kind of blew me away really was the... was. Barbara Macaulay and all the community education workers that I came across, you know, um, that I had to do what was called my basic youth work course, my basic youth work intro introduction. And Isabel McFall, who again was one of the senior workers in Glasgow, was doing, you know, 
introduction to youth work and the training was top notch. It was really high quality. And I was doing a business studies degree and yet some of this work that I was doing in my part-time job in this training was so inspirational and made absolute sense all about how do you communicate, committee skills. Um, you know, it really brought to life what it was that we were doing with young people and why girls work, particularly why girls work was so necessary. Um, and it did make me go when I was in just the general youth club, how the boys always took over um, the gym space or the boys always took over the game space and the girls were kind of pushed to the back and it made you realise how much we really did need that space. Yeah. But having that theory and questions. And I, I just absolutely loved watching um, how the community workers would challenge some really difficult opinions that were in a group, you know, um, when people made statements like, ah, but these people that do this, whatever these people constituted. And watching how the community workers very kindly challenged and supported and debated, you know, maybe some ideas and kind of taking people with them rather than, you know, causing. Yeah. And I was just thinking, I, I need to do this. And over the course of five years, I had sessional posts in Glasgow. And again, the work was outstanding. This was the early 90s. The rape scene was really important then. You know, culturally, every young person in Scotland, the rape scene um, touched their lives in some way. So even if you weren't at Hangar 13 every weekend, the music was certainly in your heart and soul, you know. So right. it's quite funny now being much older in the profession and a lot of my peers go, I can't believe that you love rave music. And I was like, I because I had to listen to it every night of the week. Right. <laughs> for years so I'm always like well that reminds me when I hear um, some of the songs so that's absolutely outstanding but one of the projects that we worked on um, was a peer education project and it was basically a group of young people from the East End, Tollcross, um, Shettleston area that had got together to design a whole load of leaflets um, and there were cartoons about the the challenges of taking drugs. So there was like Emma Ehead and Harry Hashhead and you know, yeah. and we worked with um, NHS, we worked with um, the police, um, the community education workers and essentially the young people. And I guess that's where I was like, do you know what, I want to do this. So I finished my degree, I worked in the bank for a while. Um, and dare I say it, I was probably a bit too immature to be working in the bank because it was really, really serious. And don't get me wrong, I loved the work that we were doing because it was a bit, I was in the team that was dealing with organisational change and it was outstanding looking at how, you know, this bank was moving its business position, how it was taking people, the strategy behind it was amazing. But essentially I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. Well, I, I would really like to do youth work. And I had applied to do my postgrad um, at Strathclyde Uni, Jordan Hill. And I'd also applied to do teaching because I thought, right, I'll keep my options open. Yeah. And the minute I went for my interview um, at Jordan Hill, I was then like, do you know what, I don't want to be a teacher. Because I would, have been I would have been a business studies teacher. So I'd have been teaching accounts and economics and don't get me wrong, whilst I, I still really love those subjects in economics, business development, organisational development, really still um, interests me, hence the reason part of my doctorate, my doctoral study was looking at entrepreneurship, you know, so yeah. um, it was a bit kind of bringing that together. So I didn't really want to teach what, what I didn't, um, what I wasn't really attracted to was probably the constraints of being in school, you know, what I loved about community education 
was that opportunity to where young people, who met young people where they were at, you know, they, they, they gave you your time voluntarily. What's the most precious commodity any of us have ever got in this life is our time. And yet young people turn up to our youth clubs week in, week out, you know, yeah. giving us their time. Um, and I think the variety um, of what you were, were doing. So I was really fortunate to get into... Um, Jordan Hill to do my postgrad, and I guess that's what really um, blew my mind in terms of having. I had five years practice, being a sessional worker, you know, summer programs, you name it. I never said no to a shift. Didn't matter what it was, just because I was learning, learn and laughing. Never laughed so much, and still to this day, I think it's just such a joyful, joyful job. Um, and I guess going to Jordan Hill was really important because. It was looking at why is education important? What's the structure of education, the philosophy of education, the philosophy of community? So you were looking at people like Gramsci and Illich and Paulo Freire, you know, and every community worker holds Paulo Freire close to their heart. And there is a real depth of critique that comes along with that, you know, so as you go into practice and you can actually see where power structures are, where that struggle's happening, um, where it's important to reflect. Sometimes I've been in practice and went, oh, all right, where is that essay in empowerment? You know, because actually what was happening in front of me really was not looking like empowerment in any shape or form. Mm. You know, but I think just having that real critique and also having the training in terms of group work and planning, you know, and being able to deliver sessions that are properly planned and assessed, that are evaluated, you know, that it's not just happenstance, that you don't just turn up and rely on good looks and nice personality to pull together a programme with young people. It is a serious intervention. Um, and I guess I just wanted to have that support. Plus the fact, a lot of the jobs that I was applying for were asking for a, a, a ComEd qualification. And there is a bit where actually, if this is going to be, this is what I want to do, it felt right. It was, you know, I was learning a lot. I was making a difference. Invest in it. Go and get the bit of paper. You know, be the best yeah. you can be because I truly believe that the young people and adults and communities they absolutely deserve the highest quality youth and community workers that you know the highest quality to be the best you can be and with that is that continual learning professional learning you know and I guess that's something that I've tried to practice throughout my whole career so going from Jordan Hill I was fortunate I am my practice placement was in Oslo um I went there for I think it was about six months um, and I was working with refugees from Bosnia and the former, former Yugoslavia who had moved to Norway who had, um, for safety and for asylum mm -hmm. reasons and that was just a really powerful experience you know because my practice had mainly been in youth work um, so I took the opportunity to do my practice placement working with adults and families yeah. and that was the context in which so there was me a Scottish girl working in Norway with Bosnian refugees you know so you can imagine the 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 clash of cultures and language um, but yet the the real commitment and drive and passion to make people's lives better you know and I, I'm so delighted that even if that as a student that safe space was just to kind of smile if the you know have yeah. a cup of tea you know make people feel welcome sometimes just 
not in good youth work fashion because youth workers tend to be, you know, or maybe I'm just speaking for myself. Hiya, how you doing? You know, but sometimes when you were working with the refugees, you know, people who had really come in from really difficult to bring it down a notch. Yeah, it's different you know, approaches. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think um, just taking that opportunity to do it and forever grateful for spending those months. And then from was there there, a, Was there a major language barrier that you had to come through? Um, English English was predominantly it, you know, and I had been fortunate a few years before going to Norway. I had worked in Denmark, so I had learned some Danish, pidgin Danish, which is actually not that different um, from Norwegian. So believe it or not, you just have to go on with it as much as yeah. you can, you know. And this was pretty much the days before digital, so you were, <laughs> there was a lot of good sign language and a lot of kind of nodding, uh, curiously. Uh, you, you can't just go you to know? Google and just be like, this? Oh, <laughs> there was a lot of pointing and um, almost looked like a dance class at times because of all the body language <laughs> and the gesticulation to try and get your point across. So um, fabulous. And then when I came home, I was fortunate enough um, to get a full-time um, job as a community education worker with Strathclyde Regional Council. And I was appointed to the Fossil Park area. Um, and that was just absolutely amazing. My first day in the job, I went in had a really nice, beautiful desk and tray, and there was a personal safety alarm in my desk. Uh -huh. Do you know, personal safety alarm. Um, that That's an introduction. Yes, it was an introduction. There was a nice wee pad, and diary, you know, a, a very warm welcome from all the team, um, and there was a personal safety alarm. And what was interesting that that particular week, um, the team had organised a safe rave Remember, this was the 90s. Um, and it was in Milton Community Education Centre, which was a massive, big centre. Um, and what really struck me, so whilst there, might have, there was easily 120 young people, there was a DJ, there was a graffiti artist, the place was absolutely booming. But there were senior officers from Strathclyde Regional Council, you know, and it became, um, Maeve McDonald was one of the, the senior um, workers, and it became affectionately known as Maeve's Rave. And what I was really um, struck by was when it came to getting young people back on buses and clearing up and tidying up, it didn't matter what grade, who was a who was a, an area officer, who was a session worker, who was a volunteer, everybody was hands on deck, jobs done, you know, and that, I guess, was the best introduction. And I think um, to this day, I hold Fossil Park close um to my heart because it was just an amazing community and again working with girls and one young women um international women's day um was celebrated and we were doing like, a lot of assertiveness courses with um young mums um, and i was working with the adult um, learning team to do that and then we decided for international women's day i thought we'd do international girls evening you know, and we had a fashion show and we had Fraser's and Boots and all the businesses in Glasgow donated things to put this show on, you know, so, um, and then you're talking that was in the 90s. Um, and then I guess like doing, you know, and I think this is really pertinent now because as we emerge from COVID-19 and we're thinking about what, what does education, what does communities look like? How do we take this forward? Some of the work that we were doing then, and it was over, you know, summer holidays, Easter holidays, 
we had groups of young people um, working in collaboration with the school where you were maybe phoning an English teacher saying, do you want a couple of hours to come in and do some supported study and the Tuesday morning? And then we were taking the young people and maybe so like a play or the theatre or whatever. We tried to make sure that the activity had matched up with what they were studying in. So tried mm -hmm. to bring that to life. And, you know, going to um, Goma, and going to all the different galleries and the young people just absolutely loved it and again that real partnership with schools and i think what really helped was that you were part of the education department in strathclyde region Jerome. so again i could talk forever just about Puzzle park um because it was just an amazing place to be um and then government reorganization happened and um strathclyde regional council all the regional councils um, became local authorities as the 32 local authorities that we know now and um, I was moved just across the road to Mary Hill and again another amazing community fabulous young people you know and I guess really good role models um, that were just can do a can do approach you know mm -hmm. um, and I guess that's one of the things that I would say find the people that will help you you know as Maria Walker from um, who worked up in Aberdeenshire just recently retired from Education Scotland said find the radiators and avoid the drains. And I think that's probably really good advice, you know, because I think particularly, see when you're a young person and you're so excited and you're a keen bean, you know, don't let people rain in your parade that go, you did that 20 years ago, so what? Do it again, it's different people. Try it differently, you're a different person, different experiences, so. Um, and I guess that's what really, you know, came to the fore in Mary Hill. And I was literally in the job Two days and I got a phone call from Margaret McLeod, who was the principal officer, who then moved to YouthLink, um, saying actually we need somebody to go on an international youth exchange, um, just through reorganisation, there have been changes in personnel, but we've got 10 young people. I didn't know the 10 young people, I didn't know the session staff that were going there, but before I knew it, I found myself in Germany for two weeks. And then I went back um, after that, hosted them coming to Glasgow and everything that international work entails because that's always a really big um, project and moving from Mary Hill I was then promoted um, and became a senior community education worker and I was in the drum chapel area but that was a really short period of time and it was interesting just looking at all the different initiatives see when you look back um, at the different initiatives and the different um, policies that have been out there and what's really helped um cld as a profession as a practice you know and where you were able to kind of find the space for what young people needed you know for where you were working with colleges adult you know learning teams and communities just really to make things happen and i moved to easter house um, and that's where i finished my career in glasgow because i was there um and that's when I came to South Lanarkshire and worked in Universal Corrections. Yay! Um, and was there for 15 years. Um, and again, that was just, I mean, what, what can I say? I think the setup in Universal Connections in South Lanarkshire, now working across the country, it was outstanding. Um, I think the idea of, you know, grow your own, um, absolutely always looking for people to get that support for training, for to get your qualification, you know, come from the community, you know, if you're retraining, if you want to, you know, I mean, we people that were changing careers at midpoint through their life, coming back in and joining 
um, into the team, being trained and supported. And I guess I always wanted to be, you know, that kind of worker that my role models had been, you know, you just try to make sure that you're offering services that are amazing, you know, um, and I think Universal Connections, it was like a family, absolutely like it. And to this day, I might have left six years ago, but I still very much um, have a strong affiliation with that, the people in the place um, that is South Lanarkshire and you know Universal Connections and all the young people. And I guess what I really enjoyed about that job, so I might have had a, an area manager's role, I was responsible for two um to youth centres that were full, you know, ran full time, six days a week, um, and you had youth workers based in we'd four secondary schools in the area, youth workers based in the schools, two centres that were open, you know, ten in the morning, ten at night, six days a week, um, all the volunteers, partnerships with them, um, like VGN FX and all the kind of the the voluntary organisations. It was just constant. There was constantly things going on. So I wasn't just in a managerial role, I still got to do face-to-face -face youth work. And I think um, I had a politics group, um, which was absolutely outstanding. You know, the politics group that people, I think, sometimes feel that you can't have. And again, we would maybe get some of the teachers from like Kafkin High School to like come down and maybe do a wee bit about why it is or how a debating uh, chamber is structured that way. Young people in every week questioning every one of our local politicians from every party, and the culmination of that was um, that um, we decided to have 100 young people in Rutherglen Town Hall, and we asked um, all the political parties. Um, you know, there was a, um, it was, I think it was 2011-2012. There was a Scottish election. Um, and every political party. They were all up there on the stage. Leslie Riddle hosted it, but it was our young people, do you know, that were asking the questions. And young people, where the schools were coming in and saying, they would never come to my modern studies class. They would never join in the debating society. But yet, here they are, you know, working, asking really challenging questions and holding people to account. And another mm. event that we had was Question Time with Bernard Ponsonby from STV came along. Um, and he absolutely loved, you know, asking the, the head of the police for South Lanarkshire, the head of health, some local businessmen, you know, um, some questions about why why do the police always behave this way with young people or why does the health board do that, you know, and Bernard Ponsonby was like, this was, it was an amazing because he was himself brought up in Canvas Lang. Um, so there was a bit that I think he felt that he was going back to his roots. So, absolutely outstanding um and they are so uh, unique pieces of work for young people oh, as well good, that good, they're not going to maybe get that experience and like what you'd said that they wouldn't maybe go to modern studies but then they are oh. getting that proper experience where they can challenge professionals that are making decision they are making decisions across locally or nationally and for them to have that and take that on board it's amazing outstanding and i guess we were really fortunate again, um, just the way the setup is in South Lanarkshire. The head teachers were just like, it was amazing. So, even I think in your career, there's really sad times we lost a young person who unfortunately he died. Um, and the whole community was absolutely devastated. And on the day um, of this young boy's funeral, you know, so we had the, the school had agreed that if the young people didn't go back um, after the funeral into school, they could come up to the good centre and they literally, we just made macaroni cheese and soup and fed people, you know, in terms of 
this is a safe space and it wasn't just for that day but it was for the months and the weeks that followed and the young people organized football tournaments and you know really really supported um the community and the families and the staff team behind that were absolutely incredible absolutely yeah. incredible and that'll have been a lifeline for so many absolutely um and the staff as well because it's really tough um mm. when you need to deal with uh, these matters because unfortunately um, it does happen, you know, these, these things do happen and that can only come with experience. I was recently um, asked about placement hours and the number of hours and I was like, do you know what, try and get as many hours under your belt as you can because the, the more you're in practice, the depth of your experience, the better your decision making, the more you're drawing and constantly learning. You know, so just because you've had one really good night um, with a group doesn't necessarily make you a really good practitioner. It takes experience, it takes knowledge. So see all the students, I'm like, take as many hours as you can possibly get because it's, you know, to this day, I would still um, say I was not the finished article. Because if you look at the competencies, um, if anybody is ever achieving all those competencies at one time, they're telling tales because it is impossible because you're the the relationships that we are dealing with they're, they're complex you know sophisticated the negotiation you know the skills the techniques you know um, the time for reflection i think where did that not quite go the way i planned it you yeah. know where could that where could we as a sector as a service been better you know and knowing what levers to push and pull and at what rate that's a really ongoing. I, I think I still I'm yeah. trying to manage that kind of how do, how do you're I also do doing that, that for the individuals in multiple groups in different Absolutely. settings and in different Absolutely. areas. So Absolutely. it's you're not just doing that. You don't just have one boys group no. or one girls group. You've got you're dealing with one ten, group. twelve. Absolutely, Connor. So that's what I'm, that, there's a real um, skill and knowledge yeah. base to that. I mean, my first job in Fossil Park, um, I had twenty four sessional staff 13 youth clubs you know at, at the age of 24 you can bet your boots i was like where's my essay and empowerment you know uh-huh. each with different needs you know and you are then um as a even as a, a as a community education worker you're the spot you're a line manager you're responsible for making sure and i you to make sure people Back in the day, people get paid. You to fill in something called a GFE seventy to make sure everybody had their hours and that they were paid every month. You know, the the buck did stop here. You know, quite scary, quite a scary job. A big bit of responsibility and remains um, a big bit of responsibility to this day. Yeah, it is, and and it's still something that's now we still need to do. We still need to fill out forms like that. So we do uh, to make sure folk get their wage, and that that is that was one of that's a high pressure point, especially when you get that phone call on payday going, mate, I've not been paid, and it's oh okay, yeah. right, let's yeah. let's yeah. deal with that, you know. Yeah, and then you're having to phone finance and say, can we raise a check, and what does that look like, you know? And this is people's lives you're talking about, people's wages, and I mean, I have been, I remember once. um um, being a sessional worker and like that, it was just before Christmas and I had expected a certain amount of money to be in the bank and it wasn't there, you know, and Aye. you're like, oh my goodness. Um, so I think that that and dealing with lets, that was one of the things that I noticed a huge big difference. 
going to South Lanarkshire and see having a dedicated youth centre. So when I was across Glasgow, um, it was great when you were in the community education centres, but as time got times got tough, correctly so, um, cuts, people were trying to preserve jobs and people rather than estates. Yeah. The challenge was then that you were constantly trying to put lets in to get spaces in church halls, community centres, you know, schools, and then inevitably you would get a phone call from the janitor or the head teacher. You had young people smashed the window last night, you know. Actually, it wasn't the youth club, it happened after the youth club. Don't get me wrong, sometimes it was the youth club. And then you're saying, wait a minute, there's a whole wee group of kids going in the next day to have their PE and you've messed up what was in the PE cupboard, you know, so it's yeah. really, you're negotiating that with and for and trying to um, take everybody with you. It's really sophisticated negotiation and as well as balanced books and trying to get money, you know, you're constantly trying to find ways, ways to kind of pay for different projects and initiatives because you know what young people are like, they come in you know, skateboards under their arms. I want a skate park. All right, okay. Wait till Aye. I get one tomorrow. <laughs> Aye, hold on. To a, to a, I'll just get the plywood. Right, let's go. <laughs> exactly. Do you know, you're just like, oh, how do, how do we make that happen? Yeah. You know, and you do and you can. Um, and I think for me, the opportunity for young people, real community education, community-based education, you know, doing their PDAs, their SVQs, um, their Duke of Edinburgh, all of the different qualifications that they do within a youth club setting, it's absolutely phenomenal, you know, absolutely phenomenal. So if you do, and it is a safe space, because for young, some young people to take part in this at school would be social suicide, you know, yet it's a safe space to go into um, a youth centre. And again, I think the importance of having a youth centre or a space is that you really help young people at their transition. Do you know, mm -hmm. so see when they leave school um, and then they go to a training agency, say, or they go to a job and it doesn't work, where do they go for a wee bit of support? Often they come back into us, do you know, yeah. they come back into the youth centre and that's where you're really helping with that career advice. That's where you are really that role model. That's where, you know, as a, a profession, we need to put our shoulders back and our chin up. We've got a real responsibility to, you know, be that role model, that star, that person that the young people think that's attainable. Actually, I am going to get this qualification. It might be hard, it might be a challenge, but nothing in life that's worthwhile is easy. Do you know, and that sense of pride when you see young people, do you know, where they've really achieved something, it's the highest high it's the, absolutely yeah. the highest high. You come out and you're just like, oh, wow, look at what our young people achieved. And I think as a sector, we're really difficult. Uh, we find it really hard to see what our role in that has been. And again, it's that West of Scotland, you know, cultural, don't be seen to blow in your own trumpet. But actually, if it wasn't for the, the youth and community workers, the CLD practitioners that are out there, you know, Having these behind the scenes negotiations, you know, discussions, planning, reviewing, evaluating, you know, um, that wouldn't happen. So I'm really passionate about, you know, us as a sector. I yeah. think I've kind of transferred my, well, I'll always have a love of youth work. I think I was in the right part of CLD practice, don't get me wrong, I've loved adult learning, adult education. Too, you know, um, and that's got a different high, but I think naturally youth work was where 
you know, I was drawn to. Yeah, and that's where the majority of your experiences came from as well. Okay. That's what you've Absolutely. done for the longest period of your career. So Absolutely. naturally it's going to be there more, you know. Um, so then from Universal Connections, when you finished there, you then moved to the Standards Council? Yeah, so I've been in Standards Council for six years. Can't believe that. Um, so for anybody that doesn't know, CLD Standards Council is the professional body for youth and community workers, CLD practitioners across Scotland. And it is it's a real privilege to have this job. Um, and I guess making that change from being in local authority um, to being in a national role uh, is quite flabbergasting. I was really quite, oh my goodness. You know, How did you find the transition early on from going from local authority oh, managing where you struggle. worked? To... I did find it a bit of a struggle. Um, I guess uh, you don't realise that, I suppose, not everybody has the same approach that we do, mm-hmm. you know, generally as a... So it was about... I, I had to really learn where to adapt and where to respond to different levers, you know, that were completely different, culturally completely different to being in a youth centre. And also I was based in an office. I had been based in a youth centre where there was beanbags and music and, you know, all the time. And then all of a sudden you're in an office all the time. And don't get me wrong, I love that. I love, you know, I love working in the city centre. But it was such a big change, you know, in terms of what that looked like. And the real privilege, I guess, is that as you work across Scotland and work in different, you know, voluntary organisations, colleges, universities, um, local authorities, the real bond and connectivity across the profession is really there to see. So whilst I describe being part of the UC family, you go up to Fife and there is a whole load of practitioners that have got that same passion and pull and bond you go to Perth and Kinross it's the same Edinburgh Leith you know you name it we have got such a a sense of connectedness which is so powerful and when you see it across the country um, and we're all together it is so empowering and you know inspiring and motivates me Um, and I think you know, for me, what really drew me to the Standards Council job um, was in many respects that I felt as though I had achieved as everything that I had wanted to in mm-hmm. South Lanarkshire. Um, I had was almost finished my doctoral study, you know. Um, I think Ros Gallagher, honest to God, to this day, she's still one of my guiding lights, you know, runs a service like you know again constantly looking forward you never hear Ross saying we did that 20 years ago you know she's always looking forward looking forward always about the young people you know and I guess um what kind of came to my mind was often the most marginalized communities that I've worked with has been the community of CLD practitioners you know Mm. um and how can I, I was like I need to get in there I need to try and take all this passion and, you know, try and work across the country to pull us together, you know, to kind of just tell the CLD story, to look at actually the professional learning really is important. As people were getting job titles changed, actually join the CLD Standards Council because that keeps your professional 
you know, badge there, your identity as a yeah. CLD worker, you're a member of a professional body, you know, and that requires you to kind of work towards the competencies and ethics in a, a particular way. And if you speak to any, you know, CLD worker, they get so, they're so impassioned about making sure that they're working within this framework and that they're delivering the best they can. And we've got a challenge, I guess, to, to bring that forward. And I suppose, what I'm most excited about is that we've almost trebled the membership in the last few years, um, which is absolutely amazing, given that people choose to join the Sanders Council. Again, yeah. it's not something that you have to do. People choose to do it because they see it as being the right thing to do, and it's about the quality. Um, employers, I would say, you know, most of the big employers across Scotland will say, we are looking for you um, to be, if you've not got the qualification, to be a member of the Standards Council, but to be looking towards, you know, that kind of that career yeah. pathway. Um, and I think it's really important that you've got the associate members and you've got the full absolutely. members, you know, because it, it also doesn't make it elitist or it doesn't absolutely. make it that you need that qualification. It is accessible, you know, and absolutely. that's as such an important be. part. It should be because we need to get, um, you know, as a, a workforce, we've got pretty much we've got an aging workforce. Um, it is, we're losing a lot of skills and talents as people retire, um, collective knowledge, we need to try and keep that, you know, that throughput, that leadership, that succession planning, um, that needs to be there. And for me, I just, again, um, my role models, making sure that you are taking people with you. So for instance, CLD Manager Scotland, before they were CLD Manager Scotland, were called CHEMS, Community Education Manager Scotland. Um, and so Roz and Gina, who as service leaders would go to their conferences, but then they were like, actually, Marion, would you like to come to this? You know, and that's where I think you really take the opportunity to work with your networks, partnerships. Um, you know, so if people are looking for a working group that's across your area, across you know, voluntary sectors, do that network 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 because you are experiencing the more connections you've got the more you can pass on um to the young people because you think about it and young people come in and they go i don't know about this you know very quickly you'll be thinking right okay i can google that but i know somebody that does know yeah. and you use that network and connection you know so and i think also for your own you need to keep looking to the side you know it's not just about being in an echo chamber and patting yourself in the back, you absolutely need to keep looking to what other, what's happening out to the sides, what's happening in the front, you know, yeah. and I think um, for me being part of CHEMS and CLD Manager Scotland was very much that, and I hope that's something that, that I mean, and they still continue to be that space today, um, and I hope that's something that the Sanders Council does too, so that when we have events or we have that people get that chance to connect and say hello and go, actually, I didn't realise you did that in Dundee. I didn't realise that was a thing in the Western Isles. Um, could we actually maybe do a professional exchange to think about that? Or could we give our young people chatting about that? And then what I do love is the way people are mildly competitive because everybody's so proud of their own work. <laughs> you're like, no, but actually we do that better than they do. do you know? <laughs> so, I We've been doing that longer. They took that from us. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and that's healthy. That's healthy. Um, is, that's healthy. But I, I, I suppose if we're all under the one banner of CLD, it's absolutely healthy. Um, and I guess to just connect and get to know people, 
shared your experiences and look at other professions. You know, I think um, for me, also looking seriously at what's going on in the voluntary sector, I'm blown away with what some of our CLD people are doing in the voluntary sector. I mean, some of them um, are running, you know, charities that have got turnovers of, you know, tens of thousands, millions of pounds, you yeah. know. That takes real skill to actually be delivering with and for the communities that you're serving and, you know, managing that budget and that whole organisation behind it. And I think you'd really see that, I suppose, in the community development side of things too, with the participatory budgeting. And I guess over COVID, as a lot of community groups popped up, you know, to help with food distribution or, you know, befriending or whatever that looked like. It was community workers that have been behind maybe helping a wee bit of advice about governance. Actually think about yeah. if, you're to, if you've got money off people or if you've got old people, you know, who you're doing shopping for that are trying to give you cash. Uh, think about that because that's a risk for you, you know. So I think um, the the community development aspect too, you know, when you're working with um, like tenants associations, environment groups, you know, that are real ground up stuff, you know, yeah. it's so powerful um, and exciting, exciting. No two days are the same in CLD, are they? Oh, definitely not, definitely not. You just don't know sometimes what you're going to get through the door and. You don't know what people are thinking, what they're, you know, it's it's incredible. You could have a nice sort of relaxing day and then the next minute it's it's away somewhere, you know. And it's... Tell me this, Connor, is there still the last crazy half hour in the youth club? Always, always. always. And always. it's always, especially when we've been, when we uh, return from going back to face-to-face work during COVID, yeah. That half hour just ended up just that wee bit I, extra wild because it's also that we are limiting we are limiting contact time, so things are shorter, and so you've also then took away time. So yeah, yeah. That, that wee end half hour, fifteen minutes before you finish is still good fun. Still oh, good absolutely! Fun. And I think also there's a bit you know, and this is more for um, perhaps area based you know youth clubs so say the youth club opens at six o'clock at night the young people start gathering at half past four Aye, you know, sitting with their chips and cheese <laughs> just on the wall waiting on you that's dare i say it that's where if it's in a school you need a good relationship with the janitor you know or you as the youth workers are there early you can never that's one thing you can never be late for the youth club ever 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 you know no. you always need to be there early prepared because those young people are like think what we're doing tonight Straight in the door, and it's like, uh-huh. right, get, let's see what we're doing. You said last week we were doing this. Where is it? <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then also, there's that night where you're sitting and you've all you're all together and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, and nobody's nobody's up for it, and you quickly need to think on your feet and go. Do you know what? This isn't happening. This isn't happening. We need to let this one go. Do you know? Aye. And it's also, especially if you're in an area-based club, you're limited in some of the resources you've got. So that jobs, sometimes you've only got what you've brought in your motor. So it's also then how difficult that is to try and work. Any, 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 you know, budding, aspiring CLD practitioner, learn how to drive. I mean, learn how to drive. Make sure you've got, if you can ever have access to a car, because it just makes your life so much easier you know um, because your office does become your, your car becomes an extension to your office um, I've yet to meet a community worker who does not have a flip chart 
pens, pro football in there. Um, you're describing my car right now. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, uh, you need a denim jacket and a suit jacket, you know, because of that different rule that we're saying. So you know that it's not always appropriate to turn up wearing, you know, jeans and a t-shirt and you're Aye. like that minute, I need to be taken seriously here. I'm really arguing for something or I need to be present myself in the right way. So do I need to put a jacket on? And that's again about levers, about where you're pushing and pulling and influencing and negotiating, you know. Yeah. That is I would say is a um a perennial learning issue, you know, you're constantly learning. Right. And for me, actually learning to drive, I never really did an interest. I was quite happy just walking and getting the bus. And it wasn't until then I had my school-based job and the yeah. bus I had to get two buses and then it was like a 15-minute walk. But then the, you get, you then turned up into your work. Maybe you were soaking, you were drenched. Yeah. It took that much yeah. longer. And then I was like, Do you know what? I'll learn to drive. So I've done that. But then that extension, my boot is just fully bibs. It's got footballs, it's got flip chart, it's got absolutely everything that you need. So like you can turn up and it's just like the wanes appear to the boots. You turn up to the football group and they know where my section is. So you open the boot up and they're like, right, we'll grab the stuff and they're away. <laughs> just like, yeah, I, mean, it's just... I mean, that's what, I, again, I think that's what a lot of people don't understand is that spontaneity at times, you know, um, that you're really building that kind of, all oh, right, okay, so tonight we're doing this. Oh, no, we're doing that. You know, <laughs> that, that, that's what's happening. You know, I think um, that, I love that, the quickness of it. And I think for me, what's been interesting um, in the course of my career has been the impact of digital. When I first, when mobile phones, this will make you laugh, when mobile phones first came up, there were signs all over every area of office you know, in Glasgow, South Lanarkshire, do not phone 11 digit numbers. And area officers would go around with the, the, the phone bill. Right, who phoned this number? <laughs> <laughs> who did that? You know, when computers first came in, we had um, Maggie Murphy and I, so Maggie's over at uh, Glasgow Kelvin now, so we both we the same, you know, parts of our career. So we've been like kind of career buddies. Um, and we were working on a project in Glasgow and we had to get this projector to put our PowerPoint up and it was called a mortgage in a box. That was what this projector was affectionately known as. And you had to rent it out, you know, upon fear of death that you damaged yeah. the mortgage in a box because it was so expensive. And again, digital cameras all of a sudden coming in and working with young people you know, um, doing digital cameras and I mean, even Universal Connections, East Kilbride UC had a dark room back in the day when it was first out of the dark room, so, um, which is probably repurposed and used for something completely different now, you know, in terms of um, how digital really yeah. affected service delivery, you know, and I think also some of the challenges of it um, in terms of it's not always good. You know, we are young people, what's happening, it's no longer what's happened in the community um, carrying on to what's happening in school or what's happened in school carrying on in the community. There's the whole element of what's happened in Twitter and Snapchat and WhatsApp and Insta and all of these other spaces, you know, where in many ways it's a really private response that young people are having to things, you know, that can often be quite public. Um, and I guess that's where you're really kind of 
again, as a practitioner, having to be careful about blurring boundaries in terms of where should you not, that's a kind of personal space or where can you interview? Yeah. So I think, again, that code of ethics can be really helpful in making some of those decisions. But I remember, again, one of the times we were in Canvas Lang, we had a group of young people, um, Alice Nugent, we were cooking group, we were making soup. There had been a group of older young people um, had used Facebook to organise a fight. And for some reason, it all ended up in Canvas Lang Universal Connections yeah. in the middle of the main street. Um, and there was lots of knives and stuff. And we very, very, very quickly um, managed to get the young people turned around that they were all taking part in the soup making and knives were being put to different use. It seriously diffused what could have been a really um, challenging situation. But again, that's about the local skill and knowledge of what's going on. You know, it was about um, people horizon scanning and looking at what was happening on Facebook. It was a connections with the young people and the police who helped us deal with that later on without it being, you know, everybody getting lifted in the youth centre, which would have been problematic too. Lots of different, I think for me, digital has probably been the most, and when you think about it, even young people, how particularly over the pandemic, we're relying on them having digital, we're relying on them having phones and access to, you know, all the things that I think probably 10, 20 years ago were banned or were limited in terms of their yes. use. Aye, or you just, or people just didn't have, and, and exactly. still at the moment people don't always have, and we just have, there's this assumption that people can access things like Zoom that we run out to do this podcast, or they can access their Google Classrooms, I and I know there's a lot of work being done for digital poverty, but it's still... It's still there and it's still so also, I think we sometimes make an assumption that all young people are confident in using digital equipment. You know, they yeah. don't or not. Um, and it's access to hardware is one thing, but then there's the support for learning. But actually, I think it might be harder for a young person to say, oh, I don't really know how to do that. Because there is that the assumption, oh, you're the young person in the room, you must know how to do this. Aye. But they're actually like, I don't. Do you know? Yeah. So how do you that again? That's... They've, they've maybe never seen a Chromebook, so they don't know how the <laughs> operating system works. They don't know where the on button is. And Absolutely. we need to support that. And I think do you know, whereas for older adult learners, that's almost celebrated. Oh, my sausage fingers. Oh, I don't know how to do it. You know, and it's a laugh, but for young people in that position, and again, that's where the skill of CLD workers come in. And for us, um, I suppose one of the things, a couple of the things I loved about Campus Lang Universal Connections, we had in all the Universal Connections, you had a full IT suite. You know, there was a young people coming in and a printer. So what I think is really interesting is that um, people don't have access to printers as much. You know, so they might have kit. But with printers in the youth centre as well, yeah. um, there was a music room too and a recording studio. You know, so I think really having access to to kit and to things, resources are important. Yeah, definitely. So with COVID nineteen, I know we've sort of mentioned it and spoke a wee bit about it. How have you seen that? How that? How's that impacted CLD for your perspective? Um, I think um, we were really fortunate that we did a number of workforce surveys um, over the course of the pandemic and looking at doing another one a year down the line. And we weren't, I think when we were, we were all first sent home in March, we really, you, I, I don't know, but my reflection was 
all of a sudden there was a bit of a bombardment of information and emails and you know and there was all sorts of oh how is this affecting young people or how is this affecting communities or how is this affecting you know all sorts of you know people in society but there was nobody asking how is this affecting cld workers you know so once we kind of let the the uh, bus settle or see how people were going um we issued and, and we got a really a uh, really good response rate and what was really obvious what was really is the agility how agile the whole sector was at responding absolutely responding you know and that wasn't just about food parcels or um medicine you know so there was a bit of the real kind of practical stuff it was all of a sudden people doing that befriending um just even walking past streets and waving up at windows you know so still maintaining a social distance but chap it and shit you know almost back to that are you coming out to play no i can't my mom's uh, not letting me you know there was an element of that going on you know right across the country um we sold out a gazebos and camping chairs because community workers and cld practitioners were looking at how can we have a pop-up community center how can we have that that keeps social distancing in space that is absolutely amazing education because when this happened Young people were still kind of trying to get through hires and, you know, nat fives, nat fours, yeah. all of that, you know, and our practitioners were able to go in and say, right, what do we, you know, how can we help what's going on in the school? How can we help to get you over the line? What do you need to do for that portfolio? Mm -hmm. Again, the hubs, what was, I mean, some of the stories that were just coming back, we are real partnership work where teachers were really delivering high quality, stressful times, you know, um, pieces of learning and hand in hand with youth and community workers, CLD workers saying, right, well, actually the hub's open till eight o'clock at night. We need the CLD workers to still kind of pick up on some of the bits because you assume that um, in these times, young people aren't always work ready when they come in at nine o'clock in the morning, you know, or mm -hmm. at three o'clock, sometimes they're more ready for learning that wee bit after. And I guess just, I mean, some of the work that's been going on in North Ayrshire, South Lanarkshire, I mean, I'm saying these local authorities, but it could be every local authority, um, but I think particularly the hub work has been outstanding and the flexibility. So people that have, I'm a youth worker, well, actually doing real serious adult learning programmes, ESOL provision, you know, um, family learning, community development stuff, you know, so for me, just hammering home that your practice might be in one particular area, but actually you work right across. And I think that keeps your career choices open, you know, because as you go through yeah. life, you might not, you don't want to always maybe be seen in this particular space, you know, it might be time for you to grow and develop and take your skills into another part of CLD, you know, um, yeah. and I think that's the kind of impact that COVID the downside of it is the real downside of it is mental health has been you know uh, really badly affected for people um because whilst we are all in this pandemic it doesn't affect people equally or universally you know so everybody's got their own covid journey that's been affected by different you know circumstances whether that's stress anxiety and yeah, everybody's got their home own home circumstances they've got their personal things and family 
bring that forward. I was honestly nearly in tears the other night. Um, Lauren Spinley, who's the Director of Education in Aberdeenshire, um, was saying, never mind clap for carers, never mind clap for NHS, it should be clap for CLD. I mean, Director of Education in Aberdeenshire saying that, you know, and he's not the only one, there's other, you know, those voices across, and I guess that's what I really want the CLD Standards Council, we need to be in there and sharing that and promoting that and, you know, just making sure that people are supporting their community workers and, you know, giving them the right job titles and not if folk have been moved into other areas of practice um, as the COVID um, pandemic's rolled out, but to keep them back into that real aspect of community education, learning and development, you know, because we don't want to then what we don't want to be seen as that, you know, that's just a job anybody can do, as I think we've talked yeah. this morning about the real skill and techniques and knowledge that is honed and, you know, augmented over years of practice, you know, so it's not just a case that anybody can do it. It takes, it's a vocation. It takes a certain type of love and demand from yourself, you know, to want to do this yeah. work and not everyone can do it, it, it isn't know. well not everybody likes young people not everybody likes people do you I've... know and often i think see if you don't like go and do another job go and do yeah. a job that you do like or it and it's such a social job oh, so it is, yeah. it's and that's i think one of the things that's been really difficult for the workforce is that we've went from having you're in the buildings with how many of your colleagues, but then in that, in a day, you've got adult groups, you've got young people, you've got all these different people running about you to then not have MD run about you and just have, and that I think it's been a real struggle for adapting as and, well, and especially at I the start. That fun part, it's such a central bit. I mean, years ago when, again, in South Lanarkshire, uh, there was a whole group of practitioners from Falkirk and, you know, that were doing Mark Meek and Eleanor McDonald that were doing the serious fun programmes, you know, and it was basically you were going along and doing loads of different training and there would be like a band that would play to signal that you had to move around and the premise is what, you know, all of it was always what big Jim Sweeney says, you know, absolute guru, um, take the work seriously, but don't take yourself too seriously, you know. Um, yeah. And I think that is really, really, really important. You want to try and take people with you. And it's not about a popularity contest, because let's face it, sometimes you need to deliver unpopular messages, you know, right. so for when people are like, why are we not getting that youth club tonight? Or when, uh, you know, um, at times you've maybe had to cancel a trip because paperwork's not been done, and that doesn't seem fair or right or understandable but you've got a group of young people up a mountain and somebody's to be helicoptered off and you've not made sure that you've got everybody you know um properly signed up in terms of all the paperwork and systems that's that's dangerous you know yeah. so um sometimes you're, you're you're delivering hard messages as well as so being fun so there's that balance where you're having to be always be approachable um, but yeah. be serious too, and definitely, definitely challenging, Connor. Challenging, aye, it is. And you sometimes need to be the person that has to have that firm line because maybe they don't have boundaries yeah. other in other places of their life. So 
you're maybe <laughs> setting boundaries, which yeah. is an uncomfortable conversation, but long term, we know the benefits. Um, and again, I think you can't be too touchy in terms of language at times, you know. Yeah. I think you sometimes need to choose your fights, you know. Definitely. Um, you need to choose what you're going to kind of really get to grips with, you know, and how do you, because you can often see young people in other contexts get caught in a Mexican standoff, you know, where they're in there. And it's like, how do you kind of talk that down and work through that? Um, uh, and negotiate. Absolutely. Um, and we've all been in positions where, you know, fights have broke out. You've been in the middle of it, <laughs> you know. And uh, then at the end of it, everybody's pals again. I mean, amazing. They should have a youth worker. A CLD worker should be negotiating Brexit, honestly. <laughs> we, we can help with that, <laughs> you know. Let's see if we can arrange that. <laughs> I know. There we go. We, right. could, um, we could help to negotiate because I think we do have really good skills that I think we're often not good at bringing to the fore and sharing because what even as we're talking we're going that's right we do do that do you know we do yeah. that we do. aye definitely so what um what's been maybe the biggest challenges or have you had any setbacks for, in your career and then what have you learned for it if there's been any um I would say I've I've been fortunate enough in that I've not had any real major setbacks. Okay, there's the job you apply for that you don't get. Um, there's, which, you know, that that's part of, I always think ultimately that's what the good old Glasgow saying, well, it's for you, I'll not go by you type thing, do you know, yeah. so you need to let that go. Um, do you know, uh, so I don't know if I've had, and maybe at times, like, if you put your heart and soul in for funding, you know, Maggie Murphy and I, Kevin Leahy, there was a whole crowd of us across Glasgow back um, when Glasgow was a city of architecture, had worked really hard to try and get a youth cafe in the centre of Glasgow. Um, you know, and we had all sorts of sponsors lined up. We had, you know, we'd worked with young people, and I mean, from all over the city for years. And then actually when it came to it, we didn't get the, the funding and the backing and it never happened. But then in good community work practice, that's never a loss because we had a whole group of young people working with architects and planners and, you know, um, finance people. And so, you know, whilst the actual end product wasn't attained, the process was actually, yeah. and I, I suppose even as a, as a practitioner, my networks and connections across the city with other community education workers, you know, because Glasgow is a huge, big city, huge ah, and huge massive. differences from one side um, to the other when you think. Um, Perth is roughly the same size as Easter House, you know, it, it's, it's yeah. massive. Um, so that was really um, an interesting, but I don't, don't um, regret any of that at all, because as I said, the process of it was really, really powerful, because there was lots of residentials, lots of planning, you know, um, and I guess you just move on, don't you? And the challenge was taking on the CLD Standards Council, you know, um, and I Honestly, I'm again blown away by the council members, you know, the, their commitment. Um, our chair, uh, Alan Sherry, he was the former principal at Glasgow Kelvin College, you know, and I think just that real kind of, how are we looking at CLD, professional learning, 
um, the whole approvals process, work, you know, just looking at the work that Robert Hine does, you know, and interesting, Robert and I, you know, when he, I was doing my postgrad, he was doing his degree at Jordan Hill, so we've known each other that long, you know, oh, really? oh, for years. Um, and I think just looking at the commitment and again, what authorities um, bring to that, you know, because we could do some negotiation with COSLA to support the Standards Council to, you know, because um, so that employers were supporting mm. their um, members to come and be engaged with the Standards Council. That was amazing, you know, and it was amazing for COSLA to give that, that space and recognition. Um, and I think just looking across just now, some of the partnerships, what Education Scotland are doing in terms of CLD is absolutely outstanding. I would say the landscape has never been so positive. I mean, Gail Gorman, um, the chief exec, I mean, every time she stands up, and Gail's a really, you know, powerful, um, charismatic leader, and she's changed Education Scotland. And every time she speaks, she makes sure she's like, yeah, but what about CLD? That's never happened in formal education, you know, to date. But yet you've got, you know, at that level. Um, and again, I would say across Scottish government, some of the policy um, people. And again, for us, the challenges of bringing that together, taking the CLD um, family forward nationally, you know, is, is a real privilege, a real challenge. But it's brilliant. I love it. I love it. I love my team. I love my job. Um, passionately believe in what we're doing mm. um, and I guess the opportunities even to work globally we are the only professional body for CLD in the whole world so there might be professional bodies for everything else, everywhere else but we've got such a unique position in Scotland and it always heartens me so when I hear colleagues in England that are um, you know, advocating for a professional body, we've already got that you know, yeah. when I hear colleagues um, in England advocating for um, Ofsted inspection, we already have HMI, CLD inspections, you know. So all of that stuff, we've got a good position in Scotland, you know, to really take CLD to the next era. Yeah, I was definitely. asked to speak. I know it is, it's amazing. I was asked to speak at Moray House, turned 60 the other day. So the School of Education at Edinburgh University, it was their 60th anniversary of community education programmes. The other day, and seeing we actually had a chance to look at some of the the, the kind of changes in the last sixty years, and we were saying, you know, this is now hopefully going to be the diamond era of CLD, and I'm just really hoping that as COVID, as we emerge from COVID, that we really do have a chance to look at what a well-being economy is, um, how education in the round is supported, really kind of elevate that role of CLD practitioners, you know, really um, kind of take it to the fore because it's a bit, as I said, the, the models that are out there across local authorities where there's good partnership across the education sector, you know, just the difference that it makes to people's lives and young people's opportunities, you know, is and their families' opportunities where parents go, actually, I need to go back to college because she's doing a PDE in youth work. And, a, you know, so I think I'll do that. I never realised that looked interesting, you know, so that... Yeah constant learning they've got a real responsibility real opportunity and happy exciting times ahead i think yeah, i'm really looking forward to seeing where cld goes and how we come out of covid and how we respond and yeah. how then in the next two three five years what position are we in you know and how yeah. are we maybe coming out of this and yeah. where we are and i think we've got a real opportunity here to fly the flag of what we do 
I think the infrastructure needs a bit supported, you know, so whilst, I mean, you know, we need some more university programmes, we need college programmes, we need students getting into practice placements, you know, I mean, as a practitioner, I constantly had students, um, and I think, see, particularly if you've got a stable team, or there's not a lot of staff movement, you've got a particularly stable team, that's the best time to take a student, you know, because it brings fresh eyes, fresh practice, um, and I think it makes you really go back and look at I me. Mean, the amount of times our students came to me, as I said, my CLD practitioner framework, and asked, you know, just about, um, so how do I, how do I deal with this kind of struggle, or how do I reflect, you know? And you're going, well, right, actually, that's right. Look at it this way. Think about that. You know, it keeps you fresh. I mean, we wanted a student that was at a meeting um, of it was a local. Um, Tenants Association, and the secretary had hadn't recorded the minutes properly, and this was the meeting thereafter. You know, and this student was with me at this meeting, and then afterwards we were like, "So how do we say we at minute we need to get that changed? You need to make sure that's an accurate record." You know, yeah. so I things like that, that you, if you've got students with you, they're really in practice, they're taking forward. So a wee bit of support for the infrastructure in the next 10 years, a wee bit of people, you know, galvanising and getting behind the name, because I know that causes lots of debate, you know, but it is what it is. And I think you don't see the big businesses of the world, successful businesses changing their name every five years, you know, yeah. so CLD is what it is, but, you know, so BCLD Youth Work, BCLD Adult Learning, BCLD community development but just bcld so what um this will be the last question that i'll stick at every pot at the end of every podcast so um i know you to be fair you have covered this a bit through the conversation but we'll just have it just at the end because there might be something else um so what advice would you give to someone who's looking to start a career in cld oh do it that's all you can say isn't it do it but recognize that it is a it will change you as much as um, you will hopefully change and work with it. Well, the young people change themselves. You're the only, you're only the conduit to ask that conversation, but it will change, change you. I mean, it's that whole thing. Education is liberation um, and CLD very much liberates you as a profession. You know, it makes you question yourself your values you really reflect but you're always looking forward always look forward and if you want to do if you know be dynamic as much as you can keep looking forward and do it and believe in yourself you can do it shoulders back chin up shoulders back and chin up you are a cld worker do it you know and don't be embarrassed about having a million qualifications or having none you know so you are where you are you start where you start you know, and grow and develop, but join in. It's the best, the best, the best, um, I would say the best profession in the world. Best, because it's fun, it's fun, as much as serious, as I suppose that's the kind of serious fun. That sums it up, doesn't it? I think that does sum it up. So um, thanks very much, uh, uh, Marion, for talking to us today. I really appreciate oh. you spending some time coming on to <laughs> CLD welcome. Talks. You're very welcome, and good luck with this, Connor. It's a fabulous venture, um, and we need more of it, and I'm hoping that we really build up um, ahead of steam and CLD Standards Council are right behind you. 
Thanks again, Marion, for spending the time with me. I really appreciated it. For more information on the Standards Council, please go to their website at cldstandardscouncil.org.uk or follow them on Twitter at cldstandards. Please also go to check out CLD Talks on Twitter at CLD Talks and you can join the conversation there. Thank you. See you next week.